Hello, this is Jeff Otis, partner at Evergreen, and you're listening to Coffee with Evergreen on the Evergreen Exchange. I hope you enjoy this 15-minute conversation between myself and Evergreen co-CIO Jeff Dix. And as always, thanks for listening. Hey, listener, this episode requires an extra disclosure. Jeff Otis is an employee and partner of Evergreen GopCal. All views and opinions expressed by Jeff and any guest of the podcast are solely the individual's views and do not necessarily reflect the views of Evergreen GopCal. Evergreen GopCal's clients may hold securities mentioned in this podcast at any given time. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions or be considered investment advice. Enjoy the episode. All right. Well, Jeff Dix, welcome back to the podcast and nice to have you back, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Good to be here. Hope you had a nice spring break and a nice Easter. Yes, I did. Hope hope you did as well. It was nice. We have uh, the four kids. And so we we had a hundred different eggs spread out in the front yard yesterday. And I think the 12 year old was the winner. The two year old, (laughs) not as many, but everybody had a good time. So very nice. Uh, since you and I last left off, you know, markets were getting hit pretty hard earlier in the year. Um, we've actually seen a, uh, you know, a, a decent recovery of sorts in the last three to four weeks. Can you just speak to what's going on in markets? And then we're going to chat about where things stand today and moving forward. But let's talk a little like a little recap to get things started. Yeah. So so last time we chatted was near the, the lows on the year for equities. And at that point, many markets were in bear markets uh, internationally. The Nasdaq had fallen 20 percent. And, and I remember back then we said we were doing some buying. Unfortunately, you know, we've seen a nice rebound. Uh, we had seen a nice rebound, I should say. The market bounced back 11% uh, from the lows. Uh, and more recently, we've had a little bit of a pullback. And over the last couple of weeks, we have, I'd say, gotten a little bit more cautious given uh, tightening in financial conditions. And when I say that, I think listeners might take a little bit of issue with tightening financial conditions and specifically because the Fed is so far behind the curve with only one interest rate hike in the books. And that's true, but I, I do think there has been quite a bit of financial condition, uh, financial tightening when you look across markets. So despite only one, one Fed hike, uh, markets are now discounting quite a bit of tightening. And if you look at the 10-year, you've seen the 10-year Treasury move up from 1.25 uh, to up near three. I think we're at about 285 today. Uh, triple B rated corporate borrowing costs have basically doubled from two to four percent. High yield interest rates have gone from four to six. As a side note, bonds are starting to look reasonable once again. Uh, but if you look at mortgage rates, they're at a at almost an 11 year high. Uh, just today, the 30 year mortgage rate, the national average was 5.25 percent. That moved up from 2.75. Uh, at the low uh, beginning of last year. So just to put that number into perspective, and this is kind of interesting, just to put that number into perspective, on a $1 million loan, that would be a payment difference of $4,100 per month for your mortgage payment to over $5,500, which is a significant amount of $1,400 per month. Uh, So that certainly, you know, eventually is going to start to hit housing. Short-term interest rates have also moved up the sharpest in 30 years. Over the last quarter, they moved up 2.25% on the two-year. So there's been a lot of tightening in financial conditions. Interest rates have moved up pretty much across the board, borrowing costs. That all is going to hit growth. And at the same time, you've also seen inflation, which many expected to slow. I I certainly felt like it was going to slow at some point this year, actually accelerate. Of course, that's heavily driven by what's happening in Russia and Ukraine. But the most recent inflation print 
hit eight and a half percent year over year. Uh, energy prices were up 10 percent uh, month over month. Uh, gasoline prices have surged. I remember not too long ago, natural gas was trading in the two to three dollar range. Today, on an average 12 month basis, looking at futures, we're up near seven dollars and 67 cents. Uh, obviously, oils moved up. Um, gasoline prices have doubled essentially from the low. Food prices were up another 1% last month alone. So you're starting to see not only much higher interest rates, which is going to affect uh, you know, borrowing ability, borrowing costs, but you're also on the consumer side, energy and food prices are going up. So it's it's a lot, it's certainly a more challenging environment on growth. Um, so it has us a little bit more cautious. Well, let's chat about that. I mean, with rates moving up and the impact to growth, uh, we're hearing more and more clients and commentary around recession fears. So can you, can you chat a little bit about that? Yeah, so you definitely are. I mean, there's some really smart investors out there calling for a recession, even as early as later this year, uh, or a double dip recession, given we just had a recession back in 2020. If you look at, say, the Bloomberg Recession Probability Index, that index just did a hit 100% here two weeks ago. I think that one's heavily geared towards the yield curve. Um, but not only the yield curve, which recently inverted on the two to 10 year, which has been a, a really an excellent indicator for recessions over history. It's almost called every recession when the two and the 10 year have inverted. We also have higher energy prices, which we just discussed. But that also has been a precursor to recessions as well. As mentioned, gasoline prices have more than doubled from the low. That drains uh, non-discretionary spending, and that has been a precursor higher oil prices to 10 out of the last 11 recessions. So it's you know there are some some signs that have pointed to a recession in the near term relative to history. You also look at some market forces highlighting at least a slowdown, I'd say. You know, one thing that we look at fairly closely is the Dow Transport Index versus the Dow Industrial. And when the Transport Index significantly underperforms the Industrial, that te that tends to point to a slowdown. Uh, financials versus the S&P. When financials start uh, underperforming the S&P 500, that also tends to point to a slowdown. The Transports underperformed the Dow by 10% over the last three weeks. Financials have also uh, underperformed here recently as well. So there is quite a bit of stress that we're seeing. Uh, also, pretty much anything related to housing has been hit significantly. A lot of the housing-related stocks are down 20, 30, 40, even 50% in some areas. So there's a lot of stress in the market. There's economic indicators that are, are pointing to a higher recession probability. And there's a lot of stocks that are discounting a potential recession in the near term. So what do you think? I mean, I guess in your view, are we headed towards recession in the near term or kind of what's your what's your take on on probabilities there? And if not, uh, you know, or I guess either way, kind of what opportunities do you see in the market? Yeah, so I would you know, short answer to your question near term. No, uh, I, I think this is more of your typical mid cycle type slowdown. You know, we had one of these in, say, 2011, uh, coming out of the financial crisis. Um, you get these fairly typically a couple of years after a recession. And if we talk about a couple of those indicators that we, we previously discussed, like the yield curve inversion, you've already started to see a reacceleration of long-term yields. So the two to the 10 years no longer inverted. Uh, and if you even look at a little bit shorter, say the six-month rate or the one-year treasury rate versus long-term rates, 
um, that's a quite steep that that curve is quite steep. So interest rates at this point are kind of questionable. So I'd, I'd say that indicator isn't necessarily for sure pointing to recession uh, in terms of oil and energy uh, prices. And, you know, we, we discussed that 10 of the last recessions were preceded by an increase in oil prices. However, today I'd say quite a bit different because the U.S. is now energy independent. Foreign energy imports uh, account for less than 5% of total consumption today. Uh, so it's it's a much, much different environment than when we were importing a heavy amount of our of energy demand. Also, the consumer today has $2 trillion of excess savings, so it can handle some of those price increases. Wages are also moving up sharply, and that particularly is for the lower-wage earners. And the, and those that cohort, that, that lower-wage cohort, tends to be the hardest hit by rising energy prices. So the higher wages do act as an offset to paying a little bit more at the pump. So historically, where you may have seen a recession, I'm not so sure we will today. Uh, a few other things to point out, uh, credit spreads are something that we watch very closely. So what corporate bar, uh, corp- corporations are borrowing at relative to the government, and those have tightened quite, or those have come back down quite a bit in recent history. Uh, widening of credit spreads is a very good indicator of recessions. Those are relatively benign right now. S&P earnings estimates have also moved higher this year. So if you look from the start of the year to now, earnings estimates are up about 4%. Tech has has been the worst performing sector this year, but earnings estimates are up for technology stocks. So earnings growth, I would say, is slowing, particularly, say, from last year. But you really don't see a recession when you're at, say, 8 to 10% type annual earnings growth which is the expect, expectation for 2022. Also, the unemployment rate is continuing to move lower. We're now under 4% for U.S. Un, for US unemployment. Uh, it's really hard to get a recession when employment's improving, corporate earnings are growing, and you have that pretty healthy consumer. So with all that said, there's no doubt earnings uh, will at least come down. Home price appreciation is likely to slow given higher mortgage rates. Uh, consumer spending, given the tightening we've seen, is also likely to come down sharply from where we were over the last year or two. Uh, but this has also opened up opportunities. So in terms of the second part of your question, what opportunities are we seeing? Yep. I, I think some of the areas that are now discounting a recession are looking quite interesting. So, for instance, home builders, that sector has fallen 30 to 40 percent. That sector is also trading at three to four times earnings. So absent of an actual recession or a further acceleration in mortgage rates, which at this point, you know, at 5.25 on the 30-year mortgage, it's hard to envision those go up significantly more from here. So absent of a recession, home builders look pretty attractive. I'd say the logistic companies also look quite expensive. So the FedExes, the UPSs, those stocks have fallen 20 to 30% plus. Uh, And these are monopoly-type businesses. They trade at low double-digit PEs, so 10 to 12 times earnings. They trade you know, much, much cheaper than the market. And you can make the case these things should trade at, these, these companies should trade at a premium. Uh, large cap banks also look attractive. You look at some of the higher quality US banks, they're down 12, 13, 15, 19% on the year. Uh, we're, we're starting to add to that area as well. On the income side, Double B rated bonds, which has been our favorite place to invest on the corporate bond side. You're starting to see yields in the five to 6% range for you know, three, four, five year type maturities. So you're still saying relatively short, but you're getting 
finally pretty attractive rates, particularly given our view that corporate bond default rates are going to be stay low for the next couple of years. So yields are now above the 10-year average. And in fact, as they as these yields have moved up, you start to see a fair amount of demand in that space as well. One other area I just pointed point to is mortgage rates. Uh, and, and this is an area we invest in on the income side of our portfolios. These are financial companies that own mortgage debt and they use leverage. So they, they borrow um, and then they buy uh, mortgage debt. And this area is also looking quite attractive because mortgage spreads have widened, but also mortgage rates are up. So these companies are investing at much higher rates today. They've gotten hit because the prices of or the values of these debt instruments have coming down in price given the rise in yield. But at this point, um, the the investments they're making look quite attractive. The the companies traded much below, uh, pretty far below book value. A lot of them, uh, the average stock is trading at 0.9 times book. The dividend yields tend to be in the seven to 10% range. So a very high current income. You know, we're focusing on the agency mortgage rates. So, you know, very high quality underlying assets. So this that's an area that we're also have been adding to here recently. One follow-up question is something you said earlier. You said tech has been the worst performing sector this year. What do you say to the client who you know doesn't want to own tech at this point? Well, I said, you know, anytime, and Jeff, you know this very well. Yep. When you start hearing clients say they don't want to own a sector, and it tends to be a good time to invest in that sector. And I'm not necessarily making the case that tech's going to be a home run immediately. But, you know, some of the best companies in the world are in the technology sector or have a technology component. Some of the companies are no longer in technically the technology sector. Some are in discretionary, some are in consumer services. Uh, but, you know, some of our longtime favorites, Google, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, you know, these companies are really high quality companies. They're growing earnings still at a very fast clip. Uh, I think you want to have a component of that in your portfolio. Uh, now, at the same time, higher inflation, higher rates tend to hit these companies. So it hasn't been a good environment for technology shares. But I'd say slowly adding to the space makes sense. And, you know, I'd say selling out completely today probably isn't the wisest move. And I will add, um, from a compliance standpoint, I mean, the purposes of this podcast is is general market, uh, you know, insights. You know, we, we're not making any specific recommendations with any companies, even if we mention specific companies uh, along the way. So I, I know I have to add that, um, you know, and everyone that listens to this, well, I'm sure will laugh a little bit at, at that. But, you know, it's a it's a quick disclaimer right. that I got to throw in there, um, although I do like you know, you being as honest as you possibly can uh, for the purposes of, of our of our listeners. Um, final question, I'll get you out of here. Is there any like is there any area of the market that you would completely avoid at this point? I mean, this is kind of a follow up to clients who don't want tech exposure and you saying which areas of the market that you think offer unique opportunity uh, now. Is there any areas that are kind of like big, uh, big red flag or big mayday territory that you see uh, that you'd rather maybe uh, offer a little caution to? A couple areas that I'd mentioned, one on the bond side, we're still not, we still own very little in the in the way of high quality, long duration debt. The yields are still really low, far lower than inflation, and there's still risk that rates move up. So we're, we're very hesitant to own that space at some point in time. 
if we do think recession odds go up, it might make sense to have some uh, allocation of that area. Excuse me, but with uh, with inflation rate at eight and a half and the ten-year Treasury, you know, at two point eight five, it we don't think it's a very attractive long-term return. In addition, what I'd say is there are some high-quality interest rate-sensitive sectors that have done exceptionally well this year. Um, so some of the REIT, some of the areas of the REIT market have performed exceptionally well this year, but and haven't gotten hit by higher interest rates. So I'd be also careful. I'd add utilities to that mix as well. So some of the areas that are perceived as defensive or high quality, but do have interest rate exposure that have held in really well this year, I'd avoid as well. So some of those utilities, some of the, the REITs, some of the storage REITs, as an example, have performed exceptionally well this year, but I really believe should be worth less given how high interest rates have gone up. Good feedback. Appreciate your perspective and love having you on. Love uh, kind of the checking in with you periodically, regardless of market conditions, to to uh, hear your perspective on it all. So thanks again for your time. And uh, we'll get you on again soon. Anytime. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Evergreen GovCal is a wealth management firm with offices in Bellevue, Washington, Portland, Oregon, and California's Bay Area. We provide investment management, tax compliance, family office, and retirement planning services. Evergreen is accepting applications for new clients who align with our firm's investment and planning approach. If you think you might be a fit with us, follow the link in the show notes to fill out our prospective client compatibility survey.